I'm Haley Oaks, and this is Milk Trails. A journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. For the birth of her second child, midwife and mother Erin planned a home birth with a midwife. For weeks leading up to the due date, her baby kept turning from head down to butt down until at 39 weeks she had to schedule a cesarean due to her baby's unstable position. Here, she was faced with the frustrating prospect of having to give up her home birth. Also, being a midwife herself, she felt conflicted in deciding between what she knew and how she counseled her own patients and what she wanted and felt as a woman and mother. The day before Erin's C-section, her baby miraculously turned head down once again. In this episode, Erin tells about the race against the clock to get labor going naturally in order to have the home birth she wanted. I'm so excited to not only hang out with you, but chat with you about your births and journey as a midwife. Um, Your mom is a midwife. Mm -hmm. Did that directly influence you in becoming one yourself? No. I swore I I didn't understand what she did, why she did it. I thought it was weird. And then one day I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm my mother. (laughs) (laughs) I did it. I've become her. I've become her. Um, and I think she was really proud. She kept her mouth shut the entire time. And then when I finally started coming to her and saying, I think I'm going to do this. What do you think? Finally, she was able to express all the joy around it. And What was it, what was it like growing up with a midwife as a mom? Mm, I, there's so much I didn't understand. I didn't understand why my mom slept during the day. So I'd come home. I just remember her coming home and me knowing to ask, did you get sleep last night? And that was going to determine how much of my mom I had that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, that those were the early, early years. And then as I became a teenager, it actually became valuable. It was like we could talk about anything. Mm. And I knew all about consent and, you know, where babies come from, but so much more. It was like things are not so black and white which they hated in my Catholic high school. Mm, interesting. <laughs> but um, I think it gave me some real footing with, you know, just understanding women's rights. Absolutely. And your own body and, and yeah, birth control and oh, God, all those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been working in the field of maternal health? Um, I became a nurse in 2007 and went straight into labor and delivery. And then I became a midwife in 2017. So there was a two-year stretch in an operating room doing orthopedics because I tried really hard to suppress the want to be a midwife. Mm -hmm. And then it came right back. (laughs) Is it because because it was sort of a predictable path or because you knew the reality of what that life would entail? Mm, It was the fight. I I worked in a small community hospital in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. as a brand-new nurse. And the things I saw just felt really unsettling. Mm-hmm. And um, and there were midwives there. So seeing their role and the difference in them and then kind of talking it through with my mother who always worked in inner city fighting for midwifery and the community. And I just knew then that um, it was going to be a fight. It was going to be constantly, you know, putting your armor on each day and picking up that battle. Um and at the age of 24, 25, I was like, I, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. 
And then I went away with friends. It was my girlfriend's 40th birthday. And um, we were talking, and she said she wanted to be a midwife and decided against it years prior. And um, when I started talking about it and why I didn't want to be a midwife, she's like, you're getting really fired up. (laughs) And, and, you know, I've never seen you so passionate about anything. I encourage you to reconsider. And that definitely kind of stuck with me. Mm -hmm. It still took a while. Hmm. So a native New Yorker moves to L.A. Mm. Why the change? My husband's a writer. Mm -hmm. So I had started midwifery school in New York. Um, and we had just gotten married months prior and he was like, you know, I guess if I had never gotten married, here's what I would have done. People kept asking him that. If you never got married, what would you have done? Cause he was older. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I was like, proud wife moment. <laughs> <laughs> just because you're married doesn't yeah. mean you can't pursue your dreams. Exactly. Let's do it. And then it happened <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> like, okay, this dream is so now here real. Here we are. Here we are. Where do I go? What do I do? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you had your first baby in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Was that in the same hospital where you worked as a nurse? Um, no. So we moved here. Two days later, found out we were pregnant. Oh, my goodness. So I, w- I really jumped right into what midwifery in L.A. was. Wow. By trying to seek out one for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked because in New York, I knew exactly who I'd go to. I had my people. I'd, it was really all at your fingertips. And midwives in New York are very independent. Hmm. So there I was searching and nothing made sense. Um, we found a birth center. And I said on the way to the birth center for the interview, I said, I just need a New Yorker who's going to tell me, no BS, (laughs) here's how it is. I need that. I still need some of that East Coast vibe. Mm -hmm. And we walked into the birth center, and that's who walked out of the room. And I was like, let's stay forever. Wow. Um, But we went over. We were late term. And when I went in for my NSTAFI, they were like... This baby doesn't look great. Got it. So So when you say you went over how many days or weeks even post post your due date? It was a week and a half over. Okay. And very much trusting that I could go to 42 weeks, doing all this stuff, right? Walking on a curb and stairs and spicy foods. Mm Mm-hmm. I think evening, even even evening primrose oil. Mm Mm-hmm. All the stuff. All the stuff. I think that surprises a lot of people who don't know much about midwifery care is that there is that co-management with a physician or or even doing um you know more extensive testing in the post-dates time Mm -hmm. that you are managing and making sure everything stays low risk and that you're doing these non-stress tests and and you know looking at the amniotic fluid level and so both were not Good or the one? The fluid level was fine. The MFM told me my baby was nine and a half pounds. Oh. And I just, there's a photo of me sitting there for because we did the ultrasound first and then the NST. Mm-hmm. And there's a photo of me looking out the window like, how do I have a nine and a half pound baby and how did I not know? <laughs> was like, the whole time. I, I liked mac and cheese in the first trimester, right. but, you know, it just didn't add up. But I also knew enough as a nurse, as a former L&D nurse, like, nothing is so set in stone. Nothing's black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't started the real midwifery core courses mm. yet, so I didn't know the numbers and the studies yet. Got I it. just knew 
Maybe not. Maybe this baby wouldn't be nine and a half pounds. Yeah. And then on the NST, looking at the baby's heart rate, it just looked a little flat. And I ate breakfast. I did all the things I knew to do before going in. I had good blood sugar. Mm-hmm. I was solid. And I just, I'm watching this tracing and I'm like, oh, that doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. And they kept coming in and buzzing my belly. Mm-hmm. They kept me on longer. And it just, it was all kind of washing over me in mm-hmm. that moment. So it wasn't necessarily even the fight between like your mom brain and your student midwife brain. It was it became kind of clear like what was yes going to happen. It was it was it was becoming clear. Um, there was a piece of me that was like, "This can't be," mm-hmm. you know. And what do I do if this is the case? Mm. And because it was always theoretical, I was always so relaxed, you know. I was like, "I get it." I was a labor and delivery nurse. Mm-hmm. I know. If we have to go to the hospital, we'll go to the hospital. And then there I was, watching this tracing, and the doctor finally comes in and actually said, "I see no point in continuing this pregnancy," wow. which was ab- abrupt. Yeah, um, it felt like a slap in the face, and I just kind of had to figure out what was next. So I called my midwives. I went home, and they were sending the report to them. And we had to now figure out where do we go and what do Mm. we do? Because I live in Santa Monica. My birth center is on the east side. Mm -hmm. And and I told them the entire pregnancy, if I have to go to the hospital, and we know this ahead of time. I want to be close to home. I want to be on the west side. And now they were kind of called to the task of making that happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, within hours, we found an OB who was willing to take me, um, never having met me, which is wow. hard to find. Yeah. Um, and who was willing to do a slow induction and not rush into, you know, you might have a nine and a half pound baby. We could consider a C-section. Yeah. So, um, you know, my midwife did a really good job of midwifing that scenario. Mm-hmm. That's and, amazing. Yeah. And... What was the outcome of that birth? Mm, the in, oh gosh, well I ended up at um, at the hospital where I now work as a midwife, mm. um, and it was interesting. The OB he he served us well and thoughtfully. Mm. There were a few bedside manner quirks that made me very uncomfortable. Mm. Um, but after I think, let's see, we went in at night. And we started the induction probably by 8 or 9 p.m. And she was born, I think, at 4.51 the next afternoon. Which is um, pretty fast So it, it all, when it kicked in, it kicked in and yeah. worked. But the entire time we thought we were having a C-section mm. because her tracing looked so bad. Wow. I wasn't dilating. She wasn't coming down. And then it all just seemed to kind of happen at once. You know when you see mm-hmm. all the stuff on the monitor and you're like, okay, either things are going bad or that baby is right there. Yeah. <laughs> And the latter was true <laughs> yes. for you. Yeah. Um, was she nine and a half pounds? She was eight pounds, 11 ounces. Pretty close. Pretty close. She <laughs> was so cute. <laughs> I bet. It's a chunky little monkey. <laughs> wow. So mm-hmm. do you have any, I mean, having gone through, you know, to, to plan an out-of-hospital birth— Mm-hmm. And to make that switch to an induction, and then especially in a hospital and with a care provider whom you've never met, and sort of all these last-minute arrangements, like having gone through that, do you have any—was there anything that you gleaned from it and was like, oh, my God, if someone had told me this, would have, this would have been really helpful? Or if I know someone who's going to have an induction, I'd love to tell them this. Like, mm-hmm. are there any sort of helpful things that, you know— you can think of, and we can come back to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for some people planning out a hospital birth, 
just knowing how you can plan for the alternative mm-hmm. um, in a realistic way. Like you said, you went at night, you know, like th- that's a tip that some people may not know is like, because you may get to sleep, you know, overnight mm-hmm. with the first stages of induction or, um, but to really help them picture it. So everything is not so new and scary when mm-hmm. all you've been picturing is your tub in your living room or whatever it may be. Right. Um, it's interesting because I feel like my feedback on it before working at the hospital and now having mm-hmm. worked in the same mm-hmm. hospital, mm-hmm. being the provider to offer that to him, and I feel like my input is different. So if I go back to just the mom after Alice's birth, I think, first of all, understanding why you're doing the testing you know what I mean? I, I think having a really good grasp on we're going in to check on baby status. And if all looks good, great. But do we have to do this again? What happens next? Mm-hmm. If everything doesn't look great and this means they're suggesting an induction or, or other, you, I, I wish I had kind of wrapped my brain around that. I just thought it was so impossible. Mm. Um, so it's always flexibility. I, and I thought I was so flexible. I didn't have a birth plan. I just, like, I, I felt like I knew enough about birth that I didn't need a birth plan, and I didn't need a doula, and we were just going to go and follow labor's lead. Yeah. Um, and there I was in the hospital feeling like I had to lay it all down. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell everyone, have a good cry. When things change, you have to mourn it. You owe yourself the right to say, I don't want this. Mm. Um, and the one thing I always told moms ever since my first birth was nobody, partners, doulas, providers, I feel like nobody gives you the credit and the space to say, I have to deal with this. Like everyone keeps saying to you, but that means you're going to meet your baby, you're going to meet your baby. But you have to endure a lot of discomfort and fear and even pain before you get to the headspace of, oh my God, my baby's right here on my chest. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to let yourself be afraid of that. Mm-hmm and process it and be grumpy about it if you mm-hmm. need to, you know? Like, mm-hmm. let yourself be the little girl inside on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you try to just put on this brave face, that's not what labor needs from you. It needs you to just kind of shed those layers and be pure. Mm-hmm. And possibly if you don't shed those layers, you know, those things come purging out at a delayed phase oh, yeah. in the postpartum, and you're wondering... Why do you not feel yourself? And when you should be, again, there's this this thing put on you of like, but you have this baby and you, it mm-hmm. should all just be blissful and rainbows. And yeah. it's like, it, <laughs> and it's not if you don't let yourself, yeah, kind of, like you said, have a little girl moment, have the tantrum of, of not even tantrum, but just like, just to, um, yeah, fully express and experience all the feelings around it. Yeah, the what about me moment, mm-hmm. right? So as the provider, mm-hmm. so now that you are on the inside mm-hmm. and on the opposite spectrum, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what do you tell your clients? Um, I try, my approach, I you know, they come in, I let them get settled with the nurse so they're not bombarded, and then I pull up a chair and we just talk about everything. We talk about why they're there, do they have questions about it? This is the recommendation. Here's why. These mm-hmm. are this is the evidence behind it, um, and I talk about these are our options, and here's what we base those decisions on. And um, I let them weigh in. If we have a little leeway to kind of start with A or B, mm-hmm. 
I let them help me decide, unless I really feel strongly that something is better for baby safety or what they're presenting with. Um, and I just give lots of space and time to present all the information and have a shared decision-making process. Mm-hmm. And my goal in that is to help them see that I'm not the enemy. And just because I work in a hospital, I'm not trying to push all this on them. I mm-hmm. really try to make it conversational so it feels safe. Um, and I just ask people to be open to that. And if something's not being clarified or doesn't feel safe, say that. Mm-hmm. Um That's my biggest thing. And I always tell them, if I'm really feeling like they need some input, I will say, I've been exactly where you are, and I get it. Mm -hmm. So if we need to revisit this conversation, let's let's do that. Mm -hmm. If you need a few more minutes to settle and and have it again, let's do that. Because in a scenario like this, it's not emergent. It needs to happen, yes. Mm -hmm. But we can spare 30 minutes to give you what you need to to clear your head and enter confidently. Well, anyone would be... So lucky to have you bedside because, <laughs> you know, being a midwife and a dual before that, that it, that that conversation in that bedside manner doesn't always happen. And but it's it's that's an ideal scenario, you know, just to be treated like a human and not mm-hmm. as a pariah or coming in from an out of hospital setting or as an uneducated woman about her body and baby and but to meet in the middle somewhere and so um that's so inspiring to hear that that is possible because i think that will dispel a lot of people do have a lot of stigma around the hospital but but you are while you you know may be the exception to the rule there are lots of yous out there in this mm-hmm. country and in this, you know, many different hospitals. And um, so to kind of like give it a chance as well, you yeah. know, and not and not kind of approach hospitals the same way that perhaps hospitals approach out-of-hospital settings, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's with, a good way to put it. With yeah. the same sort of like, you know, um, walls and judgments. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's so interesting. And do you, do you, have you come across a lot of, like home birth or birth, birth center transfers? Um, we're just getting the word out in the community now mm-hmm. that we're here and, and we're open to taking transfers if they're appropriate for midwifery care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've only had a, a small, maybe one or two so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so desperately want to um, make them feel judgment-free because I used to be the midwife transferring them. Um and, you know, one was amazing and brilliant and spectacular, and I felt like I was exactly where I needed to be for her and her family. And the other, I felt like this should not be for a midwife, and mm. I got the doctor in. And, mm. and that was hard, but they were gracious. The The reason she transferred was high enough risk for me to not assume full care on that. That was hard. I bet. Because I so badly wanted to be like, come, midwives are waiting. Yeah. <laughs> but it just wasn't appropriate. So what inspired you to have a home birth with your second child? Mm. Um, so many things. Because you're with Alice, you were planning a birth center. Yeah, we were planning okay. a birth center. So I never, I wanted a home birth with my first, but my ah, husband okay. said, I really want to be with you on this, um, but I just can't. So that was our compromise. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that because I needed him to be present to me. And if he was going to be a mess, that wasn't going to help anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
I think he was amazed by the first birth, and he kind of got it. And mm-hmm. then he watched me grow as a midwife after that. Mm. You know, Alice was 11 months old. I went back to school, and he heard me on the phone late at night answering triage phone calls in labor and, you know, just just getting it over time as I grew into it. And um, when we got pregnant with Henry, it was so the obvious choice. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, 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 I get it now. And um, he was so on board. So it was a combination of loving out-of-hospital birth. I almost got to see a home birth backing up who became my midwife. Um, and even just what I saw of this woman in early labor, it all just clicked. It made so much sense. Um and then I just, I really wanted Alice to be a part of it. And at, at that time when we were planning, I thought for sure it would be this beautiful moment of, come, bring the children. <laughs> <laughs> Let them see. <laughs> Let them see what they are capable yeah. of. And um, it's not quite how, how it shook out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it all just, I, I realized as, as the birth became imminent, just how much this home birth was also about not wanting to leave Alice mm. and wanting our family to just become what it now is mm. comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing what giving birth entails, um, were you more nervous or relaxed the second time? I was about labor? worried. I kept getting hung up on what pushing would feel like. Interesting. Because I had an epidural. Uh-huh. With I had the induction that... You know, just was so intense. And I didn't have a doula. And I realized, you know, it just transitioned very fast. Mm-hmm. So I, and I kept telling everyone with Alice, I said, just tell me when I can push. I'll push her out. No right. problem. Yeah. I coached a million women. <laughs> and everybody, I remember the doctor came in and saw and went, whoa. <laughs> like, I can do this. I was like, see? Yeah. <laughs> just tell me when. I can do it. Oh. But then with this birth, and this was first trimester stress. I mean, it was early on at Sunken where I said, I don't know what the ring of fire feels like, and mm. I don't know what pushing actually feels like. So it was the sensations I feared most, not my abilities. Mm. I knew I could do it, but what if it is so bad? You know, and I have spoken to women about this. I have talked them through the moments, and I've done it so confidently, and I believe everything I, I say to women, but... Now it's going to be me. And what if it is the worst feeling ever? (laughs) (laughs) It's so wild to to be both those things, an experienced mother and Mm -hmm. and yet um, new to the sensations of the end phase of labor and Mm -hmm. and birth and to, which a lot of, you know, the clients at the birth center where we worked were second time moms who similarly had a, had a hospital birth with their first and were looking for a different experience and that mm-hmm. was the piece that they hadn't fully experienced was that yeah. pushing phase so having to re you know revisit what those sensations were and and in the moments where it came time to welcome their baby it was it was like the first time you know mm-hmm. of really feeling that and but then it's also very short lived because a baby is coming very quickly with yes. your second or third and you know, so on births. But um, that's so wild that that was now you. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about your pregnancy with Henry, mm-hmm. um, especially the end, because there was there was kind of a a, a wild card <laughs> with that. Am I <laughs> sweet precious Henry? Yes. Um, yeah, I had joked from the minute. I knew I was pregnant 
that this was a lesson of empathy. It mm. is my it is my logline for my pregnancy. I mean, it's everything. The the nausea and debating taking diclegis and you know, all the stuff that I prescribe for women or tell them to try, I'm doing it. I mean, C-bands and the B6 and the this and the that. Mm-hmm. And then I get through the first trimester and everything feels good. And now I have to exercise because my big thing, and I think I took it from the birth center, was you have to have cardiovascular activity. Mm-hmm. You have to do this. It will only serve you well and on and on and on. So, and with an 8-pound, 11-pound baby the first time, I was like, maybe I should have been more proactive. And I, I worked my, my little pregnant butt off mm-hmm. and many days grumbling to myself that, you know, you should have thought twice about telling women to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I'm so tired. Oh. Um, and then there was a point later in pregnancy where I had some really funky back and hip pain where I felt like I couldn't walk very well. Mm. So there I was going to Berlin Wellness, which is where I send everybody else. And it was just, it was so surreal wow. having these moments. Um, and then, gosh, pretty f- far down the line, um, my midwife did our prenatal visit. And everything's been great, right? So now I'm past. I know that I can push a baby. I'm not afraid of the pain. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm exercising. I'm doing everything You're how right. many weeks now? I'm trying to remember that. It must have been around 30 weeks or so, okay. right? Because I had passed my glucose test. Everything was solid. Mm-hmm. And the recent conversation that started to come up was, if babies breach, what do we do? Mm-hmm. What happens if we don't know the baby's breach, right? Because we do an anatomy scan, and then we call it a day. Mm-hmm. And I trust her hand maneuvers, but just what if? And Sarah's like, you know, it depends on the timing. We'll, we'll, we'll follow the appropriate modalities to deliver this baby or mm-hmm. get you to the hospital. So, um, And that day, she's like, I really think your baby's breech. <laughs> she had this conversation, and then minutes later, she did. She felt her baby and was like, well. And I was like, you're kidding. You're just circling back to that yeah. couch. She's like, nope, I really think so. Wow. And we saw you that day, mm-hmm. and you and Sarah just sat there with me as— I processed, okay, so do I go to the doctor I send everyone to? Do I go to Berlin for the adjustment I send everyone for? Do I do the spinning babies? Suddenly, again, I was in a lesson of empathy Mm. and really appreciating what my families have gone through. And I used to be so casual, like, I'm telling you, this is not a big deal. You have time. You've got plenty of, you know, we're going to figure this out. Don't stress yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there like, I can't believe I ever said that to anybody. How do you not stress yet? Because um, you seem so close to the end. Yeah. I mean, and yet on the other side, 30 weeks seems like 10 weeks away. There's so much time before mm-hmm. your due date, you know. But but yeah, I'm sure it feels you have so many questions all of a sudden. Yeah. Everything washes over you. What if, what if, what if, and how do I want to do this? And again, having the midwifery experience, now I'm called to really look at what I tell women mm-hmm. and is my count has my counseling all this time been right or wrong mm. or I don't know um so time went on and you know I worked my final shifts with this baby I mean I could feel it after a while his head just burrowing in this one spot so I'd get through all my call shifts at the hospital and the final shift I think it was on the eve of my 36th week it was and um the doctor I was on with that night I told her I said I'm going to Berlin in the morning right after I get out of work but if this baby is breached, will you do a version? She said, great, no problem. Just give me a call. So now I'm like, okay, 
I'm starting to gather a plan mm-hmm. and we drive to Berlin and my husband and I are talking through all the options and what we might do if this baby is breached. And we get there and we meet Berlin and he's doing all the work and we're talking, talking, talking. And and then I roll over for the second half of the massage and he starts doing his own Leopold's and he's like, your baby is head down. <laughs> what? <laughs> so sometime between... Middle of the night, I remember walking to my call room in the middle of the night, feeling his head there. And sometimes, and this was the thing about Henry, he would flip and I had no idea. Like I'd wow. never, his flips, his movements were always so fluid. I just, I always thought you'd be able to tell. Yeah. I could never tell. And then. Um, Interesting. Uh, and when he told you that, were you like, yep, like you don't, you know, like felt my the own, head. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Wow. So then it was great. Everything's great. And I went went home. I had my post-call day. I went to sleep that night. I woke up. The baby was transverse <laughs> in the middle of the night because now I'm constantly yep. assessing. But then he went from transverse back down. So I'm like, okay. And Berlin said to me, he goes, you might just have the baby who flips all around until he's ready for labor and then he'll mm. be head down. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Maybe I'll have that baby. <laughs> but then the hospital midwife is like, well, doctors recommend C-sections. Yeah, us. those are unstable lives. Yes, yeah. yes. So I just kind of took it and, and went with it and went about my life. I was on I was on maternity leave now. And ever since then, the baby has been staying head down because, you know, I'm checking constantly. Mm-hmm. And um, we're getting closer and closer to the birth. And my mom comes out and my sister comes out. And now we're getting ready, right? Mm-hmm. We're all in preparation. I was 38 weeks at that point. And um, labor just doesn't seem to be anywhere near. I just feel like, oh, God, we're going to get to 43 weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at 39 and 2, my mom and I had a great day. We went out. We did some stuff. And I remember saying, I'm just going to go lie down. I just need a rest. And um, when I woke up, I felt something. <laughs> and I was like, ow. And that spot that I had been feeling when he was breached up in my ribs suddenly hurt again. Uh-uh. And there I am doing my maneuvers, and I feel his head. It's his head. So I call my mom upstairs, and mom, the midwife, I'm like, can you feel this? Yeah. And, you know, she had given me the um, fetoscope as uh-huh. a present. Oh. So she's like, do you still have the fetoscope? She's so excited, you know. <laughs> yeah. She takes out the fetoscope. She does her hand maneuvers, oh. and she's like, yeah, this baby's breech. Wow. I call my husband. I'm like, get in the car. We have to go to my office. So we go over to my office. I scan myself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> as you would, as a midwife. <laughs> this is where the midwife brain got me in the yep, trouble. Yep. And um, it was definitely breached. So I go running over to the hospital. The same doctor who had said she'd do the version mm-hmm. was there. I said, you'll never believe this. I'm 39 and 2, and the baby is now decided to go back to breach. He'd been head down the whole time. So I said, can you do a version? And, you know, she takes me back, and we have a consult, and she's just like, look, this baby's unstable. I don't think that we can even do the version based on what she saw yeah. in, the com- in our conversation. She's like, I really think you need to have a section. I think you need to have it soon. So she's like, let me give you a few minutes and, you know, call your midwife. And and now I'm sobbing. And here you are again in this place. Same hospital. Same hospital. <laughs> and also, like, told this information after planning an out-of-hospital birth. Like, he, he, how can you not go, here we go again? Oh, completely. Completely. And wow. here I am again feeling like I just want to do what's right by my baby, Yeah, you know. And so we scheduled the C-section for the next day. I think it was noon. 
And do you, why was her reasoning soon? What, what is the danger? I was 39 weeks already. And so if you went into labor and you were breech, mm-hmm. not a good thing. Exactly, because it can go fast. Yeah. Um, so she was just like, we got we to gotta do this. And I, and I just remember sitting there nodding my head going, okay, okay. Right, like just in shock and doing what, again, if I were the midwife and someone came to me with unstable lie, I would defer to the OB on mm-hmm. this one. Um So we went home, and I had the ugliest cry of my life, and that's when I realized. I was watching Alice outside playing with my sister. My mom and sister saw us coming a mile away, and they just got Alice outside to play. And I'm watching her with them outside, and I just started crying and crying Mm -hmm. and crying. And the two things that kept coming up was I don't want to leave her, Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to prove anything. Mm. So it was a very—I was really torn between those sentiments. I wanted this. I wanted our family to have this, and I knew my body could do it, but— I'm not out to be some renegade. I'm not out to put this other baby at risk. Mm -hmm. So Sarah calls me. Sarah's really on me. And I'm like, my midwife, I I just, I keep kind of neglecting her because Mm -hmm. now I need to process. I need to be in isolation when I process or when I'm upset. or Yeah. And she's hammering me. She's texting. And she said, tell you what, I'm coming over. Wait until traffic dies down. Do your spinning babies. And... And I'll be there. So my mom takes out her homeopathic kit, and I'm taking Pulsatilla, and I'm mm-hmm. lying. We try to have me lying on an ironing board. That breaks in half. So oh. we, st- <laughs> we stack up pillows. Like, Damn it. I can't do anything. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, uh, oh. and he turned. By the time Sarah got no there, he was virgin. Way. And I was like, this is the thing. Like, I can't even tell anymore. I didn't know he flipped. I couldn't tell if he flipped back down. I thought maybe, but I felt like I'd, I— it, this whole scenario put me in a position of feeling like maybe I don't know anything, right? <laughs> and uh, she goes, no, he's head down. Let's check your cervix. Let's do a sweep. Let's put a binder on. I still had a binder from postpartum last time. Yeah. And she said, let's do a castor oil smoothie in the morning. Let's get this going. Now we have to act. Wow. So she did an exam, and I think I was two centimeters, and she did a hearty sweep, and there I was again with empathy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And um, we put the binder on, and we gathered our— Which holds him in place, right? Theoretically. That's, yeah. You know, you'll hear mixed reviews on that, uh-huh. but you'll do anything. It's some, yeah, it's something. And even in the hospital, they'll put a binder on you. If you refuse induction in that scenario, they'll put a binder on you and send you home. And uh, we went off to the grocery store. It was a race against the clock. By now, it's 9 p.m. The grocery store closes at 10. And we've got to gather all the ingredients for the smoothie I used to make for people at yep. the birth center. <laughs> oh, my and, God. And um, it was just the funniest thing. So, And is there, like, what are you feeling at this time? Like I feel like a mad woman. I've got a binder around me, so my it's pulled my shirt up. My belly's sticking out. I draped some jacket over me. I'm waddling. I'm tired, and my face is so puffy from crying. But now there's a little bit, there's like a glimmer of hope. Yeah. You know, so what do I do? And I also had to call the hospital and cancel my C-section, oh my which God. was very humbling. Yeah. Um, and she was sweet. She said, I'm going to stay with you while you make that phone call, and then I'm going to leave. Um, so it was all just so many things. And you know, it's right before Christmas, so it reminds me of every Christmas movie where they're like hustling to get the Christmas presents. <laughs> You're hustling to get the baby out. <laughs> wow, the ultimate Christmas present. <laughs> oh my God. It was crazy. It was very And where crazy. was Alice and all of us and how was she responding oh, to that little girl? You she, and um 
you know, we've raised her with, with identifying feelings. That's been my big thing. Mm. I've always wanted my daughter to know how to address her feelings and feel free to express them. Mm-hmm. And uh, she came in to me after I'd been crying, and she puts her arm around me, and she goes, Mama, I'm sorry. You might have to go to the hospital. Oh, my But we'll God. be okay. <laughs> Straight that back makes you want to cry. Just hearing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this little four-year-old oh, is saying this. So sweet. And, um... It was just amazing. So then by the time Sarah came over, she was asleep. So all oh, of this wow. is happening while she, again, oh, wow. just like Santa. Yep. <laughs> the ultimate oh Christmas adventure. <laughs> wow. So mm. then you take the smoothie in the morning. Yeah. So I did everything that you taught me to do. <laughs> Sarah did the sweep. And then I woke up. I set my alarm for 4 a.m. And I took the smoothie. Mm-hmm. And I went back to sleep, and while I was awake, I felt like a twinging, and I couldn't make sense of it. Mm. Um, and then I couldn't totally sleep after the smoothie. It never gave me any GI distress. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kept having this, like, weird, tweaky feeling on my right side. It was like this cramp, but it felt more like a ligament twinge or something. I couldn't make sense of it. Hmm. Empathy again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then I woke up. And I was like, oh, I just have this feeling. And I went downstairs to my mom, and I think they're getting ready for school with Alice. And I said, could this be it? Like, is this a, is this a thing? Mm-hmm. Does <laughs> it happen? <laughs> and, uh, and my mom goes, yeah, maybe. You know, she's very casual because mm-hmm. she, she wants to keep it loose. It's great. And, great uh, midwife mom. Such a good midwife mom. And then um, Alice was off to school, and Todd came back. And now it, it's feeling like, oh, like maybe this— this really could be happening. Mm. And I, can't, I remember coming downstairs and, and everyone was kind of just trying to stay out of my way. And I'm like, I think that this is happening today. So that twinge kind of turned into... A more regular twinge. Mm-hmm. It was strange how it was just my right side. Interesting. Just felt like, like, strum, like someone was strumming it. Huh. It was so weird. And never at all how I would explain it to a woman who's saying what wow. they would feel like. Wow. And... Um, and it's funny because when my mom said, yeah, it could be. I, like, I could hear myself saying that to clients. Let's just watch and wait. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I said to Todd, let's go for a walk. And um, right before the walk, I sat my sister and my husband down. And I was like, okay, we need to have a conference. It was so ridiculous. They looked yeah. at me like a crazy person. I said, blankets and hats are here. I'm going to upload my playlist. Megan. The food's in the fridge. If you need anything for Alice, like all the stuff they knew. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just went, oh, okay, is that it? And they said, yeah, yeah, that's it. You can go. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby soon, so. <laughs> I don't know. Basically, if you heard. yeah. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was funny. And then the walk. We just started walking, and I, it started to pick up, and I was breathing through them. And now I'm like, mm. oh, this is really it. This is the stuff I know. And it was beautiful. It was it was the moment of this is why I commute from Santa Monica. Mm, you know, we mm-hmm. went down and we walked on the bluffs and all around the neighborhood. And we're having this really nice talk. And I'm holding his arm, which we haven't done in ages. And um, we bumped into friends <laughs> on the way back, like <laughs> beep, beep. And they yeah. pull over. And I'm like, I think I'm in labor. I don't know. Yeah. See, midwife's coming <laughs> at 11. And we get home and Sarah shows up as she planned. And it's 11-ish. So we're hanging out for a bit. I wanted antibiotics for the GBS, so she she had that going, and and then um, you know somewhere along the way, I think it may have been before the antibiotics. She checked. No, it was it was after. So antibiotics go in. 
We all identify that this is actually happening. Sarah says she's going to hang local, but be out of my way. And I just start sobbing. And she's like, what is it? Are you okay? My mom's like, are you in pain? And I just start crying. I go, I can't believe I get to do this. (laughs) And I'm standing next to the Christmas tree (laughs) sobbing because until this very moment, I didn't think I was ever going to get to do it. Yeah. And um, we went upstairs and she checked me and as I'm getting ready to be checked, I'm like, you know, I'm worried because these hurt and this is nothing. Like, I know what's to come and this is nothing. She goes, well, let's just check you and see because these don't seem like nothing. And she said, what do you think you are? I said, just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> this is a game, <laughs> right? This is my life. Yeah. And I was five centimeters. Wow. So we just kind of got That's everything That's incredible. Going. Isn't it? I was amazed. You're just like chatting and. Yeah. Just, wow. Yeah. I mean, they say zero to six is the hardest part of labor, <laughs> and you're halfway there, babe. Like, wow. Yeah, it was wild. <gasps> I mean, that also probably just gave you a massive wave of, like, affirmation, confirmation, like, oh, this oh, is yeah. happening, and I can do this. Like, yeah. And I loved seeing her face. Mm. She was genuinely excited. Aww. You know, she was so proud to say you're five centimeters. By the way, best cervical exam ever. She's so quick. So I'm lying there in the midst of all this saying, I need to get better at that. She's yeah, so smooth. She's so smooth. <laughs> That's hilarious. Picking up midwife tips yes. as you're, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, so she does she stay? At, uh, I mean, yeah. Oh, she's that staying. Point. She goes, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and in that exam, she confirmed that she felt the head. Mm. So that was lifted, and she said, why don't you get in the shower? Because leading up to all of this, the one thing I told everyone was, don't touch me, don't look at me, just give me space. You know, I I, I want you present, but I want you to not do anything. Yeah. So she knew the shower was important. So she said, get in the shower, we'll go from there. And then that's when it, it all was getting real. Mm-hmm. I was warming up the shower and grabbing a towel for myself, and I had this contraction that felt... It finally took my breath away completely. And was it still on the right side, or did it no, have to travel now down? It was official. Yeah. Okay. And um, and I looked up, and I'm in the bathroom, and my bedroom is just across, and my mom is standing there, and she just gave me, she looked me in the eye, and she just nodded, okay. Mm. And I, that moment was so powerful, where I was like, this is exactly why I need her here, mm. um, and. Uh, and then it just felt like everything took off from there. And I got in the shower, and it's real. Like, now I'm in it, and I'm mm-hmm. doing all the sounds I know to do, and I'm keeping it low, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the stuff I tell mm-hmm. women. And every once in a while, some crazy sound would come out, and I would think, oh, she's going to come and check on me now. <laughs> and the door would swing <laughs> open, oh, oh. and Sarah would go, hey there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> How you doing? And I'd just stay with it. And then finally, I had one. That was so intense and maybe a little grunty. And I mm-hmm. said, here she comes. And then the door swings yep. open. And I turned to her and I said, oh, I feel like I want to throw up, but I can't. And she goes, I think you're in transition. And I go, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got me over to my bedroom. And um, she she did this thing where she put her hands on my belly and she just kind of moved back and forth with me. Mm. And it was the most perfect moment where it actually centered me. And then I threw myself onto my bed in hands and knees and stayed there through to the end. And that was how much longer? 
after, I mean, after you got to the bed. It's all very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I was, I was five centimeters at 1140, I think, 1145. And he was delivered, I think he was, he was delivered within the hour. <laughs> so, like, I, I had that check, got in the shower, things progressed, I got in the bed, and everything felt wild. Wow. And I just buried my head in my pillow. They sent to get, they sent my sister to get Alice. And um, my husband had filled up the birth tub with air and was waiting for my go-ahead to fill it with water, which <laughs> never happened. Yeah. And um, so then it was just me, my mom sitting on the floor next to my bed, and Todd in the bed next to me. Mm. And he would kind of go in and out. Like when my sister came home with Alice, he went downstairs to make sure they had lunch under control. And and then he'd come back up and be with me. And um it just got really, really, really intense. And my husband knew I wanted Alice there. He had some reservations about it, mm-hmm. but he was trying really hard to honor it. And there came a point, I think it was as I could hear her more in the house, I said, she can't come up here. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I just kind of had this outer body experience where I could see what she would walk into. Yeah. And it was not the birth tub that the children come. <laughs> it was full. Wild animal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, facing the door, probably. Yep. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then my body just started pushing, and I couldn't believe it. I've seen it so many times, right? And we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think this is— And it doesn't hurt. It just, like, it just feels like hard work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking back to all of the exercise I had done with this trainer who engages your the same muscles I'm using. So yep. her face flashes through oh me. Oh, my God. <laughs> There was like a, a, everything got really intense. I remember growling Mm. at one point. Like I just couldn't take it. And I let out this animal sound and hunkered back in and had another push. And then there was the space. And in my head, I'm like, oh, no, this is the break. This is the break. We all know, right? At the birth center that I learned it so well. This is the break before the final. Mm -hmm. So I'm in bed thinking this to myself. And I hear Sarah go, okay, this is your break. (laughs) Take it. So every time something happened, my midwife brain was a step ahead saying it in my head. Wow. And then I pushed and it was crazy. I didn't feel the burning I was afraid of. There was just an intensity where I I thought, oh, this is what that bowel movement I tell them about feels like, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And and I remember Sarah saying, stop, 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 and screaming, I can't. (laughs) And my mom, who's on the floor next to my head, goes, you have to. (laughs) And I did. Okay. (laughs) And it's obviously all to control the head coming out so you tear minimally. Well, <laughs> I think I blew the head out. Yeah. <laughs> but he had a nuchal cord three uh, times. Wow. Two or three times around his neck. <gasps> and from all the flipping. Oh right? Oh my of course. And um and then I, she delivered him and I'm still on hands and knees and she goes, Aaron, your baby mm. is right there. Pick him up. And I said, I need a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then scooped him up and rolled over and and there he was. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Mm. I mean, and wasn't it also pretty much close to the time that your C-section was? When he came out, they probably would have been closing. Oh, I mean, that's just Isn't wild. That crazy? It, like, gives me the chills to think about that. Mm-hmm. Just how, yeah, the circumstances are so insane. <laughs> Hold on, our table is moving. <laughs> um 
<clears throat> wow. And so did Alice, when did Alice come in to the mm. birth space to meet Henry? She came up to meet him. So he came out and Margot arrived <laughs> to assist. Mm-hmm. And um, and she was actually really wonderful because I was shaking so much. Mm. And she just put her hands on me and it settled. It was the most amazing, you know, all you want is to be loved by Margot. Yeah. Um, and once everything had kind of settled, and I think the placenta was delivered, Todd went to get Alice. He said she that he went downstairs and said, he's here. And Alice looked at him and was like, who? Yeah. <laughs> was, and who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. She came upstairs and looked very confused, Aww. but appreciated that there was the baby there. And she came right over and looked, and she got to help Todd cut the cord. And then she needed some time away for a little bit. And when she was ready to come back in, she brought a book. Aww. And all of us sat around the room, and Alice read Pancakes for Breakfast to oh Henry, my which is a book without words. So she could just make up the story as she went. Wow. And we've read that book to her a million times. So now she gets to read it to her brother. So and sweet. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. I bet. It was beautiful. Oh, that's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, what, what do you think surprised you? I mean, besides the entire birth, <laughs> what specifically surprised you the most about the experience? Mm, um, how much you can actually keep your hands to yourself as the provider. There were so many moments where I thought, like like those moments I said where I could identify what was happening and Sarah would come in. I was so afraid she was going to touch me or do something that I didn't need or want. Mm. And there was one point when I was pushing, I mean, she had to listen to baby and I never ever said don't. But I remember her needing to do that and being so relieved, A, that she got the heartbeat so quickly. And it was so, like she just got what she needed and got out and it felt very fluid. Mm. And I I still spin on my birth because of that. And what need, what I need to do is a I mean, within minutes of delivering this baby, I was like, oh, my God, I have to change my ways. Mm. And um, it was all about that because my body showed me just how capable a woman is of going through these stages without narrative. Um, And and also what it means to to be respected in that way, Mm -hmm. you know, because it does. It does instill quite a bit of confidence when the provider is is so hands off in the most trusting of ways, you know, Mm -hmm. not in a way that's like without care or is abandoning you. It's really like instilling like you got this and you don't need much more than, you know, what you're Mm -hmm. already doing. Um, I remember specifically having the same kind of feeling when I was in the shower in labor and Margo came in to listen to heart tones. And I remember I was like, wow, she does that so softly. I was like, I do that so differently. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And I couldn't tell her in the moment because I had Uh no words, but it was the same similar thing of just like, wow, that is so interesting to to be on that, to have a split, have like a bird's eye view of yourself mm-hmm. in labor, but also being like noted, yes. you know. Um, but that is, yeah, amazing to kind of have that gift to then take on after you, you know, to go back to work and mm-hmm. be able to kind of pass on what was given to you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how was Todd during labor and birth? And and what would he say if he was here as far as, you know, <laughs> he was his really role sweet. and how to he, support um, you? And 
Yeah, he immediately started vacuuming <laughs> when we knew that it was happening, <laughs> which I did not see coming, and Sarah and I still laugh about that. And he and my sister worked really hard to get the tub together, and um, he knew, he knew that I didn't want much presence, like just enough. And so he was really staying out of the way. And then he tells the story. He says, I started making these noises in the shower. He remembered them from my first birth. Um, and that's when he said, oh, it's real. Wow. <laughs> this is happening now. And so he became more more present to the upstairs. And um, the entire time I was in bed on hands and knees, I just held his hand. The only time he said anything was when I was pushing. Once he said something that was excited. And the rest of the time, I just had his hand, and he was stayed close. Um, it was quite impressive. Because mm. yeah. it's, it's hard not to, to do while you're mm-hmm. attending a birth, you know, yeah. especially as partners. Um, so that's incredible. And it's also so interesting what, what partners remember from previous births. Like, had, had, did, you, did you, you know, talk about Alice's birth, and did he mention that noise to you, or did it just, like, mm-hmm. come up— like after for him. We um, we took a childbirth ed series that, you know, I don't know how much he loved taking the childbirth ed class. And ironically, we did it for him. Mm-hmm. And the childbirth educator um, stood up in the room in front of everyone and enacted what a laboring woman looks and sounds like. Was this for Henry's? This was for Alice's For Alice's, pregnancy. yeah. And... Todd came away from that cracking up. Mm-hmm. And then there I was in labor with Alice, and I was making those sounds, and he thought I was kidding. He thought that I was kind of reenacting, having a go at it, you yeah. know? And then as it went on, he realized I wasn't. So because we had had that story, mm. it was just very fitting that that same sound came up again, and he was like, oh, I know, I know that this. sound. It's like, this isn't a joke. <laughs> right? This, this is, is real. real. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he... um. That has always stood out for him, from Alice's birth through this birth. And, mm. you know, it was just the signal for him. Mm-hmm. What is it like, uh, life with two babies? And mm-hmm. and how how to balance? Because what, what what what's the age difference between Henry and Alice? Like four and three quarters. Okay. Yeah, she was almost five. She He was born in December. She turned five in April. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance that life of two very different stages of, mm-hmm. of of little, you know, of a little little people. Like she has a whole life and activities and Henry, you know. He's just getting started. Just getting started. <laughs> um yeah, what are what are some words of wisdom and or just raw, true, you know, experiences of what what that is, you mm-hmm. know, with with two people to um, look after. I cried a lot. I would cry because this baby was so beautiful. I cried because, oh, my God, I'm responsible for two lives. And then I would cry at night because I missed Alice. Mm. You know, we, we had to divide and conquer, especially in the very beginning when you're just healing. And um, Todd took on so much. Our family came to town to help out, and she only wanted one of us. And he was up for that then. Mm. So... He would take her and, you know, one day they went and they took pictures with Santa. And another day they went to see snow at Kids Space. It's like they were doing all these amazing things Mm. and I was missing it all. And um, I just really missed her. Mm -hmm. 
So that was hard. Um, but I'm the type of person I talk about everything I have to. Otherwise, it just doesn't serve anyone well. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I cried when I needed to cry. I said things out loud. And the first three months, four months were really hard. Hard for different reasons. At first, it was he was asleep the whole first month. So it was just hard feeling like I couldn't be the mom to Alice I wanted to be. And then, then he woke up in a month and cried all the time. She was not like that. Hmm. So it was, oh, my God, what have we done? Mm. You know, we had it really great with this one kid, and she's getting to an age of independence, and now we're back at square one with a baby who is inconsolable. Wow. But again, I just say it out loud. I, I, I feel like when you say it out loud, support comes to you. Friends show up, and they say, me too, which no one's willing to say, you know. And and then it all just clicked, weirdly enough. I feel like we hit 12, 11, 12 weeks, and everyone found their flow, and... You just make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Some days Henry doesn't get great naps, and other days Alice is stuck inside with me playing board games. But I don't think she's hating it. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's our perspective of what it should be. Yes. And what we can actually make happen. And I think that's the hardest part is, like, we we do hold ourselves, you know, to, to, to create this perfect home life or atmosphere or sleep settings for Henry and—, and and it's true that life isn't going to be ideal every single day and and that there'll just be times we have to adapt and sacrifice and um and that also like at the end of the day everyone's okay and everyone's mm-hmm. healthy and everyone's happy for the most part right. and you know but um but it is sort of yeah i'm sure letting go of of like trying to make Henry's life what Alice's was or, you know, with just one mm-hmm. baby. Like, that's just never going to happen because yeah. there's, there's you know, this is a different it's a different life. But I think that's the point. I think you get to be precious with your first baby and yeah. you deserve that. And they deserve that. And I think with your second baby, you are able to be more relaxed and just present to what's important. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ironically, we were so minimal with Alice. We were like, we don't need a changing table. We don't need a lot of gear. Henry's got everything mm-hmm. because we need to be able to put him down. Yeah. Whereas with Alice, we're like, this is your toe. Yeah. This is your second toe. <laughs> you know, all the hours of the day. Yeah. yeah. Belong to her. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So interesting. Mm-hmm. I've heard also um, mothers of, you know, multiple children say, you know, like, I mean, while it is important to be precious with your first, but also the the more that you can sort of treat them as if it's your second or third, it it can feel like it just decreases a lot of stress that you may mm-hmm. have around a lot of things like sleep and travel and to kind of imagine as if there was like another person around, you'd have to get in the car if they had to go to school and that mm-hmm. other person would have to go with you and... Um, to give yourself a break from trying to kind of hit all the marks all the time. Yeah. Um, That's a really hard perspective to have to have as a first-time parent, yeah. though. Yeah. I appreciate the the value of those statements. And if someone can take that and, and really do it, yes, that will feel lovely. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I remember myself as a new mom, and I needed the space to say, I'm a new mom, and here's what I need from this. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that you earn that right. Yeah. I just, 
it's wonderful input from a from a mom of many kids, but you know I think that they're forgetting, mm-hmm. you know the the rite of passage of a first time mom. And I think it's true, like the preciousness with a first child not only is for the child, but it's it's for you mm-hmm. to have yeah time to grow into this role and figure out who you are, which may mean like setting a lot of boundaries and and having to find you know, nap times or whatever it may be that give you a sense of knowing who you are in this, like, very new and and always ever-changing role mm-hmm. and person as a new mom. Um, yeah, but it's tricky. But but I also, would you say in some ways, like, with even though Henry's so different to Alice, that 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 point where sort of things went into the flow that it was like easier in some ways than just having one baby like it's it's this weird feeling of completion mm. that's what i keep coming back to i feel like our family is complete and i thought it was with alice we kept having the conversation of are we going to have another one it feels like it could be great just us three we mm-hmm. could do all the things we could travel and have this great life and but it never never once did i say it feels complete mm. and now that henry's here that that just keeps coming to the surface. Mm. Um, I I don't know if it's easier. I, I think certain things are. We're just in a flow and we, we're used to it. Mm-hmm. But you're tired. It's You turn around and there's another one. <laughs> and then, you know, you just, the other night it was Henry screaming because he couldn't sleep because he's mastering, you know, a milestone. Mm-hmm. And Alice is screaming because it's so hot in her room. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have air conditioning mm-hmm. and we're, Going, we're crossing paths, going between the two kids, trying to see what our approaches will offer them. And, yeah. and then you finally get downstairs and settle in, and it's 8 o'clock or, you know, 8.30. And, okay, that yep. was rough. Yep. <laughs> and the glass floweth with wine. And <laughs> One ice cube yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, gosh. But, oh. yeah, it all, I don't know, it just feels good. It really does. And I'm relieved to say that because I didn't know if I was going to. Mm. Amazing. Well, thank you, my friend, for being so open and inspiring and insightful about your, you know, experiences and growing into a mom of two and midwife and so valuable and meaningful. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time.